What is up, my trainers? It's me, Ryan, making a very, very early in the morning intro. That's right, coming at you at 5.03 a.m., which actually, that's that's usually when I record. But I've been up a long time today, so it's, it's a little lower energy today, you know. Anyway, welcome to I Want to Watch the Very Best Because Gotta Watch Em All Was Taken. I'm Ryan Geyser, your host, and I'm going to bring you the tastiest of Pokemon morsels today. That sounded like a gossip channel. I'm not a gossip channel. This is this is a Pokemon episode review series, kind of. I mainly just talk about the plot of the episodes, but we all have fun here! I'm having fun, at least. So, like I said, I had the last week off because my cousin was getting married, and it just worked out better that I didn't work that weekend. But I'm back now, so thank you for joining me again in another fantastic episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best Because Gotta Watch What Was Taken. I potentially have a big schedule change coming up because I interview for another position this week. So wish me luck, even though by the time this episode airs, it already would have passed. But still, I mean, your luck's appreciated regardless. Thank you for doing it anyway. This schedule change should hopefully give me a little bit more time to actually work on Pokemon stuff and VO stuff and maybe even video stuff. I Ideally... This schedule change will give me some free time that I didn't have beforehand. Even though, technically, I work the same amount of hours, it's just the hours themselves work out a bit better. And if I don't get this job, I apply somewhere else. It's it's that easy. It was also fun. I auditioned for, like, this dinner murder mystery improv thing. I can't go into too many details, but it was fun. Um, Wish me luck on that. I, I don't know how that and my job are going to work out, but I'll figure something. It'll, it'll be fun for everyone. da 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 I honestly kind of hope I get to take another break like my cousin's wedding again. It was uh, not just this podcast, not just a break from the podcast, but just everything. Nothing was my responsibility. I got to just sit back and watch and eat and enjoy and just vibe with life. I finished a book. Do you know how big of a deal that is for me? I managed to finish reading a book I started a year and a half ago. It was, it was a very nice time, and I hope I get the chance to relax like that again because it was, it was just so nice. Not that this podcast is detrimental to me, but, you know, sometimes I just like a break. I think every human does, and uh, I'd love to just vibe and sleep and not worry about any project whatsoever for a while again. But anyway, that sounded kind of dreary, but I promise it wasn't. I'm just trying to stress how much I enjoyed just taking it easy for a weekend. But we're back, and I think we should start with... Episode 97, Tracy Gets Bugged! Synopsis. Encountering an injured Scyther who is deposed as leader of the swarm, the group attempt to help nurse it back to health. The trio land on Murkod Island, Tracy letting Meryl and Venonat out. Just as he's telling the group how excited he was to eventually get to this island, a beedrill flies by and spooks Misty. Tracy then happily tells her that the island is known for being full of bug types, and Ash rushes off to catch some. Misty tries to hang behind by using her tan as an excuse, and Tracy warns that she might miss the cool bugs. Ash returns and informs Tracy of her fear of bugs. Misty's afraid of bug Pokemon! Huh? Oh, I get it. When it comes to bugs, Misty's a chicken! Did I say chicken? <gasps> I must have meant it's a good thing we have you here checking for bug types. Meryl, Meryl. Also, Misty is chill with Venonat basically touching her leg, which kind of contradicts everything she's screaming about. After somehow convincing Misty to join them, they walk along a woodland trail. Venonat and Meryl then detect something, Tracy pulling out his binoculars and finding a horde of Caterpie. Ash decides that he wants one, mentioning that it's been a pretty long time since he caught a Caterpie, but Misty drags Ash away to stop him from getting another bug. Tracy warns her that there's something behind the bush she's moving towards, but she says, Well, as long as it's not a Caterpie, who cares? Right as a pincer jumps out, spooking her immensely as she flees. One screen wipe transition later, the group continues their stroll, Tracy explaining that Meryl and Venonat work well when functioning together, Misty nervously thankful that, well, at least they're not bug types. Misty, 
Misty Deer, you do realize that Venonat is one of the buggiest Pokemons you've ever met, right? The two Pokemon then detect something else, leading the trio right to it. They're shocked to find a very injured Scyther lying on the ground, breathing heavily. Okay, the Scyther is great. They're basically an old man and have these like little tufts of, I don't know, something sticking out of their cheeks to aid to that aged appearance, and they're adorable. I love them. Tracy goes to help it, but it looks at them aggressively. Tracy, deciding the best course of action is to immediately try shoving medicine in its mouth, is surprised when it suddenly jumps back and enters a weak defensive stance. Ash suggests catching the bug and bringing it to a Pokemon Center, but when the ball is thrown, Scyther still has enough energy to bat it away. Misty comments that it almost looks like it doesn't even want the help, and Ash prepares to battle it down some more. Tracy then steps in to stop him, saying it's too weak to take a hit from an attack. He then has Venonat take charge, having it use Sleep Powder to put Scyther to sleep. Taking this chance, he throws his own Pokeball, capturing Scyther and quickly rushing with his friends to a Pokemon Center. By the way, this is the one and only time Tracy catches a Pokemon for the entire series. Above the island, Team Rocket surveys the woods from their balloon, not spotting anything. Except a Beedrill, which then flies right into and pops the giant Meowth head, causing them to crash land. The Rockets then see all the bugs in the island, wondering where they even are before they're suddenly surrounded by a group of Scyther. One with a scar on its head lunges at them, swinging its claw down as Jesse's scream fills the forest. Meanwhile, at the Pokemon Center, Joy treats an injured Scyther while the Poke Crew watches on, Ash wondering if its fighting spirit comes from it being mad at them, and Misty pointing out that it's giving Tracy kind of a stink eye. Nurse Joy emerges, with Scyther on a stretcher, telling our heroes that the Pokemon needs a few days of rest. Scyther tries to act all tough to Tracy, but Joy scolds it and says it needs to relax, causing it to calm down slightly. After it's wheeled away, Joy comments that the old warrior finally lost its leadership spot, the trio asking for clarification. She goes on to say that the only way an elderly Scyther like that could have sustained these injuries is from a battle against another Scyther, most likely a battle for supremacy over a swarm. Asking Joy why the Scyther was all alone, she explains that once a leader is defeated, it's banished from the swarm unless it can win another leadership fight, living alone for the rest of its days. The group then calls up Oak, who congratulates Tracy on his capture, but the boy feels like he didn't earn it. Oak wonders why Tracy doesn't seem happy about it, and Tracy says it's because Scyther seems unhappy about the whole thing too. The professor theorizes that the bug's pride was hurt even further by two losses, suggesting that Tracy try to help Scyther regain its confidence in a way that fits its personality. Team Rocket, meanwhile, escapes from the Scythers. Jessie, now with her trademark ponytail cut off, prepares to throw hands with the bug that almost killed them. Meowth quickly stops her, suggesting that they instead capture the whole swarm, everyone agreeing happily. Jessie prepares to run off again, but is quickly tackled, the other two warning that without a plan, Jessie may wind up with a crew cut, causing her to scream in terror at the idea. Back at the Poke Center, the group checks on Scyther. Tracy apologizing for, but justifying his capture of it. Ash then suggests that Scyther could challenge the new swarm leader to a rematch when it recovers, since the species are born fighters, and Tracy likes the idea, even offering to help the Scyther train as well. Well, I guess Ash had to be right about something sometime. Ugh, hey. After commercial, the rockets spy on the Scyther Swarm, preparing to blast them with a bazooka, which then explodes in the air and covers the bugs in sticky goo. Meowth then fires a net, capturing the Pokemon as they scream out. The elderly Scyther hears their cries, reacting slightly as Joy removes its bandages, remarking on how well it's healing, but adding that it still has a bit to go. Scyther then decides to take flight, despite everyone's protests, and smashes through a window, only making it a couple of feet before it falls in exhaustion. Tracy runs out and tries to convince it to rest, but is shaken off as the bug takes off once more. 
Assuming that's going to challenge the leader to a rematch, despite its injuries, the group run after it. Not because they're concerned for it, but because they really want to see this cool fight. Jessie looks proudly at her captured swarm, poking them with a stick in revenge for her hair. <laughs> so, you thought you could get away with cutting my hair, did you? Well, now I've cut you all down to size. She's scary. Things get messy when you mess with Jessie. I've been robbed of my crowning glory, my resplendent hair. Resplendent? Must mean big. Since I was a child, it was my only companion, and now it's been destroyed. <laughs> Save her! <laughs> now it's payback time. Just as Jessie begins approaching them with murder in her eyes, a slash jets across the net, freeing its captives. The elderly Scyther jumps between the swarm and the rockets, guarding them. The twerps also arrive. Initially upset at Team Rocket's appearance, they then stare at Jessie's hair and start laughing. What are you looking at? <laughs> hey, where'd you get that new do? How dare you! You insult my hair? Prepare for trouble! It used to be there, but now it's stubble. To protect my head from humiliation! Too bad her hair went on vacation. My gorgeous hair was my one true love. <laughs> they went together like a hand in glove. Jesse. Jane. Now my hair's short, but it won't be for long. And it won't stop our Jesse from doing what's wrong. Harry. How do they come up with that stuff? I like your new hairstyle a lot, Jesse. Who cut it? A barber or a butcher? Very funny! One of them did it, and now they're all gonna pay for it! The evil trio reveal their plan to turn the Scyther into their own personal army somehow, and have Weezing use smokescreen. As everyone is blinded, Scyther takes quick action, using its spinning sword dance to blow the smog away. James looks on in amazement, Jesse yelling at him to get his head in the game, pointing out that Scyther was just bluffing about its energy, and now appears to be pretty weak. Scyther refuses to move, Meowth translating that despite not being their leader anymore, it refuses to let the trio steal them. Seeing its formal rival defend the old group, the Scar Scyther looks on with some respect, our heroes realizing that the old one came back not for a rematch, but to rescue its friends. Team Rocket then sicks their entire team on Scyther. Pikachu runs up to help, but the bug stops him, making it clear that this is its own battle. Ash tries to have Pikachu help anyway, but Tracy stops him, saying this is the only way Scyther can prove itself to itself. Tracy encourages Scyther as Team Rocket rushes it, the bug starting by batting Meowth away. It then jumps out of the way of Lickitung and Victory Bell, causing them to hit each other. Harbok tries to attack from below, but at Tracy's suggestion, it uses Double Team to avoid the attack. It then lands, visibly worn as Victory Bell uses Razor Leaf, with Scyther using its claw arms to break the leaves before they hit. Victory Bell screaming! Arbok attempts to use Poison Needle, with Scyther just barely dodging out of the way, and being too worn to move out of the last attack. But the scarred Scyther jumps in front of it, taking the attack for its former rival. Angered, Jesse orders all the Pokemon to attack at once. But with renewed energy and Tracy's call to use Slash Attack, the elderly Scyther easily cuts down all of the opposing team. Jesse then prepares one final Bazooka Blast at all the Pokemon, but Ash has Pikachu step in and Thunderbolt them all. Scyther uses this chance to retaliate, cutting at the group and leaving them all with Mohawks. Meowth's being like kind of an inverse one where it's just bald in that spot since he's kind of all hair anyway. The trio run off in disgrace as our good trio rush up to congratulate Scyther. We fade to later that evening, the swarm wiping the goop off their chitinous bodies. The scarred Scyther approaches the elderly one, holding out a claw in respect, 
which is reciprocated, both looking at the other respectfully, before the swarm returns to the woods, the elderly one watching from the distance as it calls out one final goodbye. Ash's group admires the Pokemon's strength of heart, body, and mind as it then turns to face Tracy. Understanding its wishes, Tracy recalls it to the Pokeball, giving his own little celebration for the one and only time ever. Let me do this right. <clears throat> I caught Scyther! Uh, Tracy, let me show you how it's really done. Oh, okay. Observe the way I stand. My feet are set wide apart. Stretch your arm out. Like this? No, not like that. Oh, no. Not another Ash. As the two idiots struggle with how to properly show off a caught Pokemon to nobody, the narrator signs us off with some inspiring words about believing in ourselves. I hope that you enjoyed one of the only super strong Tracy-focused episodes. They really kind of snuff out the early companion's achievements, like Misty Brock and Tracy never catch anything when you really think about it. I know Ash is the focus, but let his friends do a bit more every so often, please? I also said it before, but I'll say it again. I love Old Man Scyther. His design and personality are just so fun, and it's such a shame we barely ever see him. And basically never see them again after Orange Islands. You know, every other character in Pokemon is a spunky young one. So let us have an old guy for a bit of variety, please. He's, he's great. So... Too close, it's maybe not the best Orange Islands episode, but it's far from the worst. Also, the mohawk joke at the end was kind of fun. But will it be as fun as the next episode, which is going to be... Episode 98, A Way Off, Day Off. Synopsis. Coming across a lush and peaceful island, the trio decide to take a breather, sending their Pokemon out to relax as well. But Charizard and Tracy's new Scyther might not be the best of friends. Once again on the Lapras Express, our group seems bored out of their absolute gourd. Ash also getting a little bit peckish. I'm hungry. How can you work up an appetite sitting there all day? Oh, it's easy. I've been sitting here thinking about eating all day. <sighs> Pikachu then points out an island to their right, and the group decides to go there for food and just something to do. Not knowing that Jigglypuff emerges from the ocean right behind them as well. Landing, they see that the island is all tropical and is also completely empty. Pikachu and Togepi run into the forest to play, while Misty and Ash let their water-only dwelling Pokemon swim around freely in the ocean. A tiny coconut or something then clinks on Ash's head, and the group look up to see what looks like a far-fetched flying away being the cause of it. And, just as they realize this, a whole flock of the Pokémon hurry out of the trees and into the horizon! Pikachu and Togepi then return with some fruit, and they show the group where they found it. Ash and Misty pick and take a bite of their own, but immediately start gagging on how sour they are! Tracy laughs and hands the group some riper ones, which they enjoy much more. Appreciating the free food, Ash suggests that they and their Pokemon spend all day here, enjoying it as a brief vacation of sorts, the other two agreeing eagerly. The group lets out all of their Pokemon, Snorlax and Charizard included. Big risk, my dude, but go off. Psyduck is also already out of its ball before Misty even releases it, which annoys her. Scyther stretches and swings around its claws as all of the smaller Pokemon look at it kind of fearfully. Ash reassures them that's just Tracy's new Pokemon, and he has the bug introduce itself. The Pokemon still seem afraid, but Togepi gleefully chitters up to it and paps its foot. Seeing that Togepi is fine, the others cautiously introduce themselves. Ash then decides to continue testing fate and insists that Charizard come over and say hi too. As expected, it doesn't feel like it, continuing to lay where it is, and Ash starts yelling at them. I'm sick of your attitude! You really burn me up! The flame also almost hits Scyther and the small Pokemon, but a well-timed claw block prevents that. However, the bug is now upsetty and aggressively confronts Charizard, who stands as they both glare at each other. 
Ash jumps between them, demanding that they don't fight, both crossing their arms and turning their heads away with a reluctant, hmm. But, you know, Impoka speaks, so it's like, Whoa. Somewhere else, Team Rocket is relaxing on the beach by themselves, their Pokemon laying in the sun with them. They seem genuinely happy and relaxed for once, enjoying their time off. And, just as they're about to vow to not even think of stealing Pokemon today so they can relax to the fullest, they see Meryl swim by in the ocean with Togepi, and realize the twerps are near. <laughs> Yay! Acting fast, they grab a vantage point to watch the Poke crew goof around, basically salivating at all the Pokemon they can steal. James mentions that they said they'd forget about stealing, but Jesse and Meowth convince him that if they're successful, they can afford a real vacation. Having gathered a bunch of fruits, our heroes then see Scyther arguing over a pile of food with a confused Snorlax. Figuring out what's going on, Ash assures the large Pokemon that, hey, don't worry, we'll eat soon, just as Jigglypuff pops out of the pile. It then sings everyone to sleep and draws on them, and then leaves with no real change to the narrative. Thanks, Jigglypuff! You'd think it would have figured out by this point that the group doesn't like its music, but eh, I guess not. Everyone then enjoys their cooked fruits and tropical sandwiches to some upbeat music. Fruit? Don't you have any bologna or Swiss cheese or peanut butter? Well, bologna and cheese don't grow on trees, and Ash ate all the peanut butter last week. Uh, I'll eat yours if you don't want them, Misty. Snorlax then eats all their sandwiches before we cut to commercial. By the way, that Who's That Pokemon segment for this episode is actually Porygon, making this the first time we hear its English voice because the infamous episode's maybe existing dub was never released. Washing their dishes in the stream, the group trash-talks Snorlax, with Misty pointing out that it doesn't seem to eat as much anymore. Tracy thinks it's because it uses less energy in its Pokeball, while Ash proclaims it's because he's such a good trainer, Misty retorting that Ash hasn't even attempted to train Snorlax once since getting it. Togepi and Meryl return, and the group turns to see Scyther training on a rock in the water, mostly just to angrily one-up a lazy Charizard than to actually practice anything. That night, while everyone sleeps, Pikachu wakes and notices that Ash seems to be missing. The boy is then seen sitting on the beach, wondering what the deal with the GS ball is. Which, at this point, we will probably never learn. Pikachu joins him, and they admire the night sky and the orange archipelago as a whole together, before our hero pulls out his two badges and reminisces over his two challenges in an excuse to reuse animation and fill up runtime. He then vows to win his next Orange League battle, Pikachu agreeing. Back at the camp, Tracy has a vision of the upcoming movie. Whoa, look, there's Moltres. Hey, that's Articuno. And that's Zapdos. What are you talking about? Oh boy, I better make a sketch of these before they... <sighs> before the two can wake up, some sparkles fall on them, putting everyone into an even deeper sleep. Except for Charizard and Scyther, both pulling an edgelord and sleeping coolly away from the rest of the group. The sparkles turn out to be Victory Bell's sleep powder, Team Rocket beginning their plan. Wow, your Victory Bell sleep powder really works! Yes, we're a knockout combination, aren't we, Vicky old pal? Oh, hey, let me go! Enough already! About me, cease to see, stop already! We better start without it. Right. Jesse and Meowth fire a rocket that splits into a bunch of tiny suction cups that all land perfectly on every Pokemon. Including Snorlax, so I really don't think they thought this one through all the way, but eh. The cat then begins pulling on them all, working at first, but getting stuck when Snorlax's line goes taut. Once again, they didn't think this through all the way. Before they can do anything else, the line is cut by Scyther, who is then joined by Charizard scaring the rockets. The small roar and bug cry by the two alerts Ash that something is wrong, and also wakes up the rest of the group. Ash runs back just in time for Team Rocket to throw a claw with a rope down, having it cling to a tree as they zipline to the lower level, hitting the tree and getting concussed at the bottom. Team Rocket, rest off at the lead of Spike tonight. Surrender now or prepare. 
to surrender now. Surrender now. They send out Arbok and Weezing, who then smogs up the area. Scyther once again jumps into action, using Sword Stance to blow it all the way and throw Weezing into Arbok, but getting tired from it since they're geriatric. Ash has Bulbasaur vine whip the opponents, Squirtle water gunning them, followed by a Pikachu electrocution. However, just as Ash is preparing a group tackle, Scyther preparing to join in as well, Charizard steps in front of him. The lizard then flamethrowers the three, with Scyther skull bashing them into a blast off. Ash compliments his team, just as Scyther and Charizard appear to be having another confrontation. But before they do, the two both turn and walk in opposite directions. Ash is surprised that they resolve things semi-peacefully, with Misty telling him that the two are just flexing at each other, Tracy adding that they both have a respect to the other now that they're just too proud to show openly. The next morning, the trio sets off again with renewed vigor, while Team Rocket is seen stranded on some rocks somewhere. Ugh, dang it, and this is pretty much right after I just said they leaned back on the rocket torture scenes. Why would they do this to me? They bemoan their fate before James suggests that, well, why don't we try to enjoy this as our vacation? The other two joining in his optimism before quickly realizing that actually this kind of sucks. But hearing a caw, the three then look down to see a far-fetched. Initially thinking this is some good fortune, they're then surrounded by a ton more of them, who start beating them to death with leaks. Listen, like you know, I don't often use the term filler episode to describe Pokemon, but this is one of the most clear-cut beach episode-style filler episodes I've ever seen. Almost nothing interesting happens. The one interesting thing that does happen, which is Scyther and Charizard bonding, is never relevant again, and it even uses past animation for a random flashback just to refresh the viewers on the situation, fill up runtime, and save costs. If I had to speak early, I think this'll probably be the worst episode in Orange Islands. Slow and calm can be nice and enjoyable, but this is slow and calm to the point of it being boring and pointless, and a bit of a slog to watch through. But will I say the same about... Episode 99, The Mandarin Island Mismatch. Synopsis. Ash, getting a bit of a big head, meets his match in the form of an Elite Four member. After an embarrassing incident, he goes with the member to learn some valuable lessons. So, to begin with some context, the Prima we meet in this episode is actually Lorelai from Gen 1's Elite Four. They had to change her name because it had one extra syllable than her Japanese name, and it was easier to just give her a new one with matching syllables than rewrite it to match. Also, it's another Jinx Band episode with crustier audio! Yay! In the city on Mandarin Island, we see Ash in the middle of a heated battle, Bulbasaur defeating a Butterfree with a razor leaf, the Bugs trainer recalling it and running away in shame. Tracy and Misty remark how surprised they are that not only has Ash had a ton of battles since arriving, but he's won every single one of them. I guess I'm just too good a trainer. It went out again. What did? Sometimes his brain goes out to lunch. However, Ash is hungry, so they go to a restaurant to stuff his face. Tracy then rushes over, saying he figured out why everyone here is so eager to battle. A lecture and battle demonstration by the famed trainer Prima. Ash seems mildly interested, but Misty goes full fangirl over her since she also trains water types. Just as Misty is gushing over her, Prima herself approaches, having overheard the group. really is you. <laughs> She's also probably the bustiest character Pokemon gets away-ish with showing. Like, even Professor Ivy had, like, a cutting board compared to Prima. Prima walks past her adoring fans, instead saying hello to Togepi, Ash commenting that Prima doesn't even realize they exist. Team Rocket, nibbling on some food, watches the group, trying to figure out why the woman seems familiar. Prima then stares out into the ocean and waxes poetry about nature while continuing to ignore Tracy and Misty. 
Ash, however, demands she stop this nonsense and battle him. He also just casually says that he's on a lucky streak with this island and needs to beat her to prove that he's the best. Prima seems to not care much, though. The ocean is beautiful, isn't it? Oh, forget about the ocean, will ya? Let's have a battle! This must be one of the most beautiful places in the world. Who cares? Let's battle! Ah, feel the salt air on your face. Come on, let's go! The sea and the sky, one reflecting the other. Oh, okay, I understand now. You're afraid to battle with me because you know you're gonna lose if you do. You must be kidding. Content with his insult, Ash sees a random guy and runs over while asking if he's a trainer. After getting confirmation, Ash shows off his orange badges and challenges the rando to a battle, the guy agreeing and Misty reluctantly deciding to watch. Pikachu and Bulbasaur are a bit too busy eating to watch, so Tracy goes off without them. Prima, now slightly interested, Prima, now slightly interested, watches from afar herself as well. Deciding on a 2v2, Ash picks Squirtle while the guy picks Persian. Squirtle uses Water Gun, but the cat dodges out of the way, countering with a Thunderbolt. Thankfully, Squirtle uses Withdraw just in time to not take too much damage. The turtle then uses Skull Bash, knocking Persian out. Somewhat impressed, Ash's opponent then sends out Tauros, which tackles Squirtle and KOs it as well. Now tied, Ash decides to be stupid and send out Charizard, believing that he has plenty of experience to handle the lizard now. He is then flamethrowered. Charizard once again refuses to listen, while Ash begs it to since now he's finally a good trainer, he swears. Laughing at Ash, the rando has his Tauros use takedown. Charizard, getting annoyed, uses Flamethrower and defeats the bull. But just as Ash is celebrating his victory, it flies off on a rampage, blasting fire at everyone. Ash tries to recall it, but keeps missing as he's hit with more fire. The group then notices that Prima is next to them, sending out her Slowbro. It uses Disable, freezing the Charizard in the middle of an attack, and it lowers the lizard to the ground. Prima then calmly tells Ash to recall the Charizard, which he does, and she then calls her Pokemon back as well. She comments that Charizard could use some training, and Ash sadly agrees, slightly upset that he's still not good enough to use it. Prima then comments that a trainer is only as good as their Pokemon, Ash angrily saying that he knows this and that he was top 16 in the Pokemon League. Prima is unimpressed though because, you know, she's an Elite Four member, and offers for the group to go to her demonstration later that day as she walks off to the sound of a ship bell. Later, at a giant beachside stadium, Prima battles against another rando, the Rocket Trio selling food while doing recon, finally remembering who the woman is and deciding to try taking her Pokemon. Prima demolishes her opponents without much effort in a quick montage. Tracy and Misty admire her skill while Ash watches nervously, realizing that she is way out of his league when it comes to battling. The three then head to Prima's house, where they were invited. While his friends flatter the heck out of the Elite Four member, Ash stares at the ground sadly. While Tracy and Prima discuss how people act differently when put into different situations, Ash comes to a realization. I figured it out! Figured what out? Prima's trying to teach me using that... Uh, what do they call that again? Oh yeah, she's using perverse psychology on me! You know, you sound smarter with your mouth shut. Prima explains that everyone has a unique battle style, and that hers is to try being water. Calm and going with the flow when normal, but becoming a raging rapid during battles. She finishes by saying that trainers must know where their true strength lies, Ash insisting that it's fine because he's plenty strong. She corrects him, explaining that he needs inner strength, and that will allow him to best connect with his Pokemon. Ash demands a match, insisting to an arguing Misty that Charizard losing to Slowpoke doesn't count as a real one, and that this will truly prove his skill. Prima sighs and acquiesces, leading the boy to her backyard stadium and saying this will be a one-on-one -on -one match. Claiming to know the perfect strategy, Ash picks Pikachu, Prima sending out her cloister. 
giving him the honor of the first attack. Pikachu thunderbolts, but Cloyster uses withdrawal with incredible speed, basically negating the attack. Ash then has Pikachu use agility, but Cloyster's reflex stops it dead in its tracks. Pikachu then tries using thunder. Cloyster is hit dead on, but it pulls through and uses rage, which in the anime just boosts attack. Ash commands Pikachu to quick attack, dodging the first aura beam Cloyster shoots, but being hit by the second. Cloyster then hits Pikachu with a takedown, knocking the rodent down to a point of defeat. While Ash checks on Pikachu, Prima approaches and apologizes for her ferocity, taking Pikachu in her arms herself and checking on him as well. Prima tells Ash that he's a good trainer, but he can't get by on just skill alone. Ash uses his badges as a defense for his strength, but Prima points out that it was his Pokemon who battled for those badges, and that they should be seen as gifts his Pokemon earned for him as a sign that his team cares. She also says that it's important to know what losing feels like, so he can find what the strengths he can truly rely on are, and who cares about him, people and Pokemon. Ending by saying that Ash needs to be closer to his Pokemon to win the Orange League, she explains that he can create that bond by battling side by side with his team, and learning about them as much as he knows about himself. Ash thanks her for the advice, and vows to do better! just as Team Rocket shows up for the last three minutes of the episode. Bravo! Very inspiring! Huh? So sorry to interrupt the pep rally. We'd love to hear the rest of your lecture. Is it available on CD? Tape only! 1895. <laughs> Our heroes bet that the Rockets are going to try stealing Prima's Pokemon. And the evil trio confirmed that, well, that was the original plan, but they realized that Prima would destroy them, so they've settled for just grabbing a weakened Pikachu. Right in front of the woman that they just said would wreck their world. Great plan. They then mock the loser speech Ash got, before not mocking it, kind of. Prima then, as expected, takes charge, sending out Jinx. Dang it, we were so close. She just had to pick literally any other Pokemon for the last one minute of the episode, and we would have been fine. But no, she picks the one of two Pokemon that they just can't show. It would have been better if she used Porygon or something. Porygon at least doesn't have blackface. The Jinx uses Ice Punch, freezing the rockets in a block of ice before using Blizzard to blow them into the sky. Thanks for showing up, Team Rocket. Bye! Our group then all stare in awe at the falling ice crystals, Prima quietly remarking, The ice is nice. Okay, thanks. The group then prepares to leave, Prima telling them that the nearest orange gym is on Trovita Island. She says that it was nice meeting them, and she hopes her wisdom helped. Ash says it did, and that he'll remember her words, his friends taking their own message from her teachings as well. They then all walk down the path away from her villa, waving goodbye. A definite improvement over the last episode, but I feel like they've used this message before. I can't really say where, and it might have only been a similar message and not the same one, but this message seems familiar. But, to be fair, Pokemon was meant to be seen by kids who were also not watching in chronological order, because it also sometimes wasn't aired in chronological order, so who am I to complain? I still have no idea who the Elite Four are in the anime's lore, though. They still seem to be just good trainers, nothing more yet. Who knows, maybe we'll learn one day. I legitimately don't know. I stopped watching Pokemon around Gen 4, and even before that it was getting kinda sparse. I kind of fell off Gen 2, honestly. So maybe we'll find out later down the line. And there. Now that this closing statement has probably lasted longer than Team Rocket's total screen time on this episode, I think it's time to move on to... Episode 100. Wherefore art thou, Pokemon? Synopsis. Our protagonists become embroiled in a Romeo and Juliet parody, with two Nidoran falling in love despite being owned by two kids that hate each other. Can our trio fix this messy situation without it ending like the actual Romeo and Juliet story? Happy 100! Woo! 
if you don't count the Santa episode and the oddly unlisted Snow Way Out episode, that is. Yay! The narrator begins by incorrectly saying that Ash was victorious against Prima, despite being demolished humiliatingly. We then see the group strolling through a town that has kind of a Renaissance Germany vibe. Misty even mentions England, which I'm going to say is a stand-in for Galar. They then hear a girl, Emily, crying out for Maria before she approaches the group and asks for their help. She reveals that Maria is her pet Nidoran, which she then describes, a little blob forming features as she does. My Maria's this big and she's a really pretty blue color. And she's got long ears and bright eyes and the cutest little buck teeth. She's smart and strong and, oh, Maria's just the best Nidoran in the whole wide world! Ash looks it up and incorrectly searches the male one before being corrected and looking up the female one. He and his friends promise to help look, and begin searching a park with Emily. Pikachu also gets distracted by fruit, and slyly scoots towards it while pretending to work. While calling for Maria, another boy begins calling for Tony! Bugs bunnying Ash. Hey! Maria! Tony! Maria! Tony! Tony! The boy, Ralph, is searching for his own pet Nidoran, a male one. In a repeat of the last scene, he describes it in blob form while Ash looks up the wrong gendered Nido again. Tracy then runs over with Emily, and her and Ralph start fighting each other, calling the other jealous and boasting that they're Nidoran's superior before picking up sticks and sword fighting. Meryl then wanders over, announcing it found something. The two kids, not even knowing where it found something, run off in a dust cloud after trampling Tracy. They find the two Nidoran snuggling each other in a garden, whispering adorable sounding sweet nothings to each other. <coughs> While Misty and Tracy understand the two are in love, Ash is too dumb to notice. While initially smiling at their pet's happiness, Ralph and Emily then remember the other one exists and furiously pick up their respective Pokemon before storming off in opposite directions. The two Nidos crying in distress from the separation while the trainers say the Pokemon are too good for the other one. At a sandwich shop, the Pokecrew talk to the cook about the trainers they just met, with him explaining that, oh, the two have known each other their whole lives. But, by pure coincidence, they've always caught the same Pokémon, and have competed with each other over who's the better trainer. Unfortunately, they also constantly tie. Also, this is the first time Pokémon contests are ever mentioned. While they may not be the same as the ones officially added in the series later, it's nice to imagine they are. Helps with world building. The cook then elaborates on the well-known knowledge that the two Nidorans love each other, but the trainers are too stubborn towards the other to let the Pokémon be together. <laughs> Later that day, the group laments not being able to help, but sees Tony run into an alleyway, deciding to follow. They then see a Pokémon version of the famous balcony scene, Tony talking to Maria from the ground, both physically apart but emotionally together. Misty brags that she's a romantic and can understand what's going on, refusing to explain to Ash until he's more grown, causing the boy to cry because he is too grown up. However, Emily emerges onto the balcony as well, dumping a bucket of water onto Tony. She then goes inside in a huff with Maria, Ralph coincidentally also running over at this exact moment. He then yells about how evil Emily is before going into his own home, which is literally right next door. Misty is enraged at how the two kids are keeping their precious Pokemon apart and decides to do something about it. I'm gonna do something about it! But it's none of your business. Oh yeah, I just decided I'm gonna make it my business! Don't you know that love is the most important thing in the whole world? Not more important than catching Pokemon. You are such a big baby! I am not a big baby, am I, Pikachu? Pika Pika? Team Rocket also eavesdrops on this exchange, thrilled by the idea of stealing Nidoran. 
That night, Misty writes two letters to the kids, love letters made out from the other side, which Ash points out is illegal. Tracy then makes a fun offhanded comment. Those two are going to wind up thanking me for this. They're not mature enough to admit it, but they really like each other. You know what? It's exactly the same thing with you and Ash. You must be crazy! Team Rocket also enacts their own plan, trying to convince Nanito Ran to run away with them, promising but lying about letting them be together safely somewhere else. Jessie then gives a soliloquy about her own unsuccessfulness in life. Ever since I was a little girl, I dreamed of finding love. But all I ever got was heartache. I can't find anyone to love me just because I'm mean and nasty and evil. <laughs> all in love's unfair. Now I understand why she's such a nut job. How dare Meowth sneaks up to Emily's window, getting Maria's attention and selling the idea of running away. He then does the same with Tony. But when he returns, he tells his compatriots that the Nidorans declined the offer, too loyal to their trainers to abandon them. Jesse then declares that they go with plan number two. The next day, Misty and her friends await in secret to see the effects of the letters. She even gave a gift to the other as an extra precaution. Flowers for Emily and a toy plane for Ralph. The two children then approach each other, angrily asking the other simultaneously why they sent a dumb letter and gift. Emily is allergic to the flowers, and Ralph gets plane sick, so each is insulted. They then begin their stick fighting again, their pet carrier Cajunito upset by this. Ash then states the obvious by going, well, the letters didn't work. Misty sheepishly saying that, well, she only said she'd get them together, which, hey, look, they're together in the same spot, teehee. Everyone then hears wedding bells and look to watch a bride, James, and groom, Jesse, walk down the park sidewalk, and they all congratulate the two of them on their wedding. Oh, congratulations! Congratulations! congratulations. On this, our sunny wedding day... There's a funny trick we'd like to play. Our matrimony is, is a, a total, total phony. phony. Huh? Now we'll take these Pokemon away. Tony! They've got Maria! You're no bride and groom. While giving their motto, they rise up on a giant, and I mean like house-sized wedding cake pedestal, holding the Nidorans all the while. The cake then splits open, revealing the Meowth balloon as the evil trio hop in and fly off. The balloon, because they're theater kids at heart, had to have cans tied to the bottom to fit the wedding theme too. Ash and Tracy give chase, while Misty stays behind to yell at the kids that this is all their fault, and they only have themselves to blame for their Pokemon being stolen. No, Misty, don't victim blame here. I think it's Team Rocket's fault that Team Rocket stole the Pokemon. Plus, even if they did make up from your letter scheme, the Nito still would have been stolen the same exact way. This is not all their fault, you little red-headed jerk. She then turns around angrily to follow Ash, only to immediately bump into him, as they discovered that the cans from the balloon fell off in a conveniently straight and consistent path, leading right to their highway. In the woods, Jesse and James attempt to put silly little outfits on the screaming Pokemon, before Ash tosses a can at them and demands the stolen Pokemon back. The Nidorans try to run back to their trainers, but Jesse sends out Arbok to intercept them. Emily and Ralph both order the Pokemon to tackle, knocking Arbok out with a dual attack. James then sends out Victory Bell, which eats Jesse for a change. Maria scratches Victory Bell, but Tony gets headbutted by Arbok. Maria checks on him, and he saves her from a charging Victory Bell. The two then continue to fight back, saving and covering for the other when needed, both of their trainers finally seeing the strength of their bonds. Arbok wraps them both, but a combo bite frees them and they continue fighting. Ralph and Emily simultaneously order a Fury Swipes attack, and blush at the other when they realize they did it together. When they next order a double kick, the two are holding hands and kicking in the air together. Team Rocket recalls their Pokemon and switch to Plan B. 
They take off in their balloon and start trying to vacuum the Nidos up. Pikachu then grabs onto a branch and flies up, using the tree piece to avoid being sucked in. He then grins evilly and electrocutes the balloon. Misty then sends out Staryu, who the writers probably felt needed to actually help for real at some point, which then spins up and punctures the balloon, sending them careening into the horizon. Misty then immediately turns around and says the two children aren't much better than Team Rocket since they wanted to separate the lovers. Bit of an exaggeration, but okay, Misty. The kids agree, kind of, but neither can bring themselves to part with their Pokemon so the two can be together. Tracy then pointing out the obvious fact that they live together and can just build a little house between their own. The kids agree, blushing at the thought that they'll see each other a lot too. The two Nidorans then boop their noses together, suddenly evolving into Nidorino and Nidorina. Ralph and Emily gush over their new Pokemon, while Misty acts weird. I wonder how they evolved, from the paddle or the kiss? Uh, Tracy, you're a goof. You think people change when they get kissed? Guess we'll have to find out ourselves. Uh... Okay, anime, guess we'll never bring that up again. At least not until Gen 6. Ralph, Emily, Tony, and Maria all wave goodbye, while Team Rocket, trapped in ringing chapel bells, break the fourth wall by mishearing the narrator. This is the most adorable version of Romeo and Juliet ever. Because anime and Nidoran are just adorable. End of thought. But yeah, this is a pretty fun episode. It's very simple, and there's honestly not at all much to say about it at length, but it's a very enjoyable watch. Episode end time! Woo! Hello again, it's intro Ryan at 5.08 now because I cut out some stuff in the pre-recording and the after-recording and an hour may have passed for you, but not for me. It's not even an hour, it's probably like, what, 40 minutes, I think? Something like that. So I just wanted to say thank you again for listening to I Wanna Watch the Very Best because God Watch Them All was taken. And if you could tell your friends, family, dog, whatever about this, it'd be appreciated. Just spread the word. I, I'd love it. It'd be cool. Also, the movie's going to be coming up soon, so look forward to that. I, I potentially have a guest for that one. Maybe. We'll see. It's still going to hash things out when it gets closer, but it's possible. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, regardless of guest or not, movie's just an exciting time, so get ready for it. And other than that, I hope you have a great morning, day, evening, outside of space time, whatever it is you're doing. Just have a good one. Bye.